Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. This episode is brought to you by Kamlan. Kamlan is a post-apocalyptic urban fantasy podcast inspired by folklore and Arthurian legends. It's written and directed by Ella Watts, who you may know from her work from Doctor Who Redacted and Eliza, A Robot Story, and produced by Amber Devereaux at Tin Can Audio. Y'all, this is one of my favorite new podcasts. I am so excited for you to hear it. It's tightly written with mythic weight and personal stakes and just absolutely gorgeous sound design. Go subscribe to Kamlan, that's C-A-M-L-A-A-N, wherever you're listening to this, and stay tuned at the end of the episode for a trailer for the show. Hello, this is Jeffrey. And this is Eleanor. Have you visited our website recently? It's unwellpodcast.com. I wanted to remind you that that is the hub that we use to collect all things unwell in one place. We have transcripts to every episode in case you want to read along or double-check something you heard. There's info about our cast and crew. You can also find information about how to support us on Patreon. And, if you want, you can check out our awesome merch store. You can also find links to our advertisers. As an independently produced show, we really rely on our listeners, like you, to help us succeed. So whether that's supporting us on Patreon, simply telling a friend about the show, your support really makes this all possible. So check out our website, see all the things we've got to offer there. One more time, that's unwellpodcast.com. Are we sure this is a road? Your map is unclear. What did you call this again? A DPS? GPS. Global Positioning Satellite. Remarkable. So people have placed in orbit a machine capable of finding you anywhere on the planet? Several of them. How does it work? Nora, I'm not versed in the finer details of telecommunications or satellite surveillance. All I know is that usually it keeps me from getting lost. Usually. Rudy said we should take the path to the base of the trail, but I can't tell if this is the path he meant or if we're just driving through a clear space in the woods. According to this, we are very close to Sinclair Knob. I thought you said we were meeting him near a high hill. Knob is one of those folksy synonyms people use when they're tired of naming everything a hill. See also mound, hillock, hummock, knoll, or tump. There! I see it up ahead! Yes, that seems familiar to me. Perhaps I saw it when I first arrived in town. The whole of the landmass should belong to Mount Absalom. It was hard to tell from the town charter, in case that ends up mattering. In case what ends up mattering? We still don't know if you or Wes or any of the others manifest beyond the borders of the town. Silas was. Silas excluded. What I'm saying is, if you start to feel... I don't know. If you think you might blink out of existence, tell me immediately and we will turn around. You sound concerned. I am concerned. It's very sweet. People are always saying that about me. 
I will inform you if anything feels unusual. Dr. Peltham must believe it is safe for me. He wouldn't ask me to come out this far if he felt it might do me harm. I hope you're right. You're uncertain. You heard how Wes and Doc described him. Rudy is often... enthusiastic. Enthusiastic. Dot said he was ranting about sound waves and fixing Fenwood and throwing crowbars down wells. Like he was on the edge of some kind of breakdown, maybe. Then again, what do we know? I'm no mental health expert and neither is Dot. You feel we should be cautious? I don't want to take our safety for granted. Even if one of us is already dead. That seems well advised. Is your therapy going... I'm not going to talk about that. I apologize. I would like to drive. Right now? Not right now. In the future. It was not something I had the opportunity to try before I died. Not that you would have been allowed. True. Although I'd say I've made quite a career of doing things that were not allowed. I wonder how my telescope is. You haven't checked on it? I haven't. I don't know why. There's nothing that prevents me. I was quite upset with Rudy, did you know that? When he began to meet with the Delphic Order, I said some very unkind things. Out loud to myself, captured as echoes. It seemed thoughtless to me that he should preoccupy himself with other interests when we were making such progress. But I have been no better. Once I learned I could move beyond the observatory walls, I had very little willingness to go back. The telescope seemed of less importance, even to me. You astronomers, so mercurial. <laughs> mercurial? That's quite clever. Hmm. It was. I don't know why I said that out loud. I usually let the wordplay stay in my head and die unspoken. I'm very tired. I only wish he'd been more forthright with me before he abandoned the project. Instead of... Uh, instead of... Ghosting you? What did you say? That's what it's called nowadays. When somebody cuts off contact but doesn't tell you why, they've ghosted you. That is not me trying to be clever again. Although that is, indeed, clever. Shoot me. Speaking of the observatory, there's something I've been meaning to ask you. What's that? I'm having trouble finding any information on Cornelius Deerfield. Who is that? Your colleague, Dr. Deerfield? The one the Delphics named the observatory after? I'm sorry, Abby. I have no idea who you're talking about. Weren't you part of his team when you came to the observatory? There was a team, yes. Led by Drs. Stephenson and Graf. There was nobody named Deerfield. Not during my tenure, anyhow. All right, then. That feels like confirmation. Confirmation of what? A dangling thread in the town narrative. Of which there are several, so it's nice to tie one off. And I could be of service, then. Although, it does compel me to observe that the first time you've bothered to ask about my experiences as a living scientist, you decided to focus on one of my male colleagues. That... I didn't intend to... A male colleague, I'd further point out, who wasn't even there in the first place. I didn't realize you wanted me to ask. A curious sentiment coming from you, Abby. From all I've seen and been told, you tend to ask regardless of what the subject wants. I was trying to be sensitive. To you for once. I'm sorry. Do you want me to interview you? Goodness, no. I have much preferred to languish in obscurity while the men received lengthy biographies. I'd need to figure out how to cite you. Primary source might be most accurate. Primary source, you say? And here, I thought we were friends. My recorder's in the trunk. We can start on the drive back. There, up ahead. I see a flashlight. 
You think that's Rudy? If it's not Rudy, then it's a bear that knows how to use a flashlight, which means we have other problems. Rudy, are you there? I wasn't sure if you'd come. We weren't sure either. Nora convinced me. Dr. Beltham. Dr. Tendokar? I'm not... I know, I know, technically, blah, blah. Let me call you what you are. I bestow upon you an honorary doctorate from Beltham University. There you go. Hello. Hello. Wes told me. I'm glad for you. I'm glad I get to see it for myself. It still feels very new. Were my ears playing tricks on me, or did you have footsteps just now? Of course. It is not difficult when you remember to do it. But no tracks yet, as you can see. Uh, maybe don't work too hard on that. Not being easy to follow is a handy skill to have. So, we're here. What's all the espionage about, Rudy? There's something I want to talk through with the both of you. I also need you to see something while we talk. A visual aid. What is it? It's up there. Up there? As in the top of the fucking knob? No, the trail doesn't go quite that high. You're still making us climb. It's a very gentle incline. We couldn't have done this any earlier. It's almost sunset. The timing is part of what I need you to experience. Ugh, fine. Trust me, please. This is worth it. I get to be the judge of that. Lead the way. Oh, uh, before I forget to mention it, the telescope is fine. Figured you'd be curious. You've been using it. I wouldn't call what I've been doing using it. Just some routine maintenance. Cleaning, tightening, that sort of thing. Have you looked at anything interesting? Only to adjust the focus. Then you haven't attempted to... Look at Omega Centauri again? Yes. I won't lie to you. It crossed my mind. But you know what they say about insanity, right? No. Doing the same thing and expecting different results. That's the one. I'm grateful you didn't. I wouldn't have wanted you to. It's a mystery neither of us need to solve. I'd say that describes most of the mysteries you and I look into in the first place, Nora. We'll come back to it. We'll try something different. Or you could listen to Nora and let it go. That's not something I'd have expected you to say. I've recently had cause to reconsider the limits of fearlessness. Did something happen? I'm fine. I'm not talking about it. How much further? Not very. I've been up here a few times the last week. I know the way pretty well now. Could you at least give us some idea of what this is about, or does everything in Mount Absalom need to be a nasty surprise? It's about Silas. Meaning what? You're not taking us up here to meet with him, are you? Silas isn't here. You can't know that for sure. He's spent forever trying to get back into the town. We're not going to find him wandering the edges. You brought us here so Silas won't hear us. Him or any of the Delphics. I see. You've gone rogue. That's an overstatement. I am pursuing other avenues of approach. Don't do that. I speak academic too, remember? The Delphics are busy taking actions they feel are necessary. I'm trying to be a little more thoughtful about it. Before you take whatever actions you feel are necessary. What's Hazel up to, Rudy? I don't know. She won't say. And Chester won't tell me. But you're still worried enough that you're holding a secret meeting with the two of us at sunset on a high hill outside of town. 
So you don't know. What do you think? The Delphics have this view of Silas. He's a malevolent force, but he's also a man. If he's a man, you have a chance to reason with him. But Silas isn't a man. He's more like an adjacent galaxy. You'll need to explain that one. There is a power here in Mount Absalom. And there's a power that Silas has. Now that Silas is inside the town, those powers are colliding. Nora, I forget, were you still alive when Hubble... No, he wasn't talking about any of this until the 1920s. Vesto Slifer, does he sound familiar? I've heard of Dr. Slifer. Several colleagues mentioned him as someone who showed promise. I still do not know what you're talking about. I'm getting too deep into the cosmology. Here's what I'm trying to illustrate. In theory, when two galaxies collide, they twist each other. All the gravity surrounding the stars pulls at each other at the same time, and you end up with a single integrated galaxy that doesn't look like either of the ones it was made of. Two spirals blend together, and you get an elliptical. I see. You believe that the longer Silas remains in town, the more it will warp Mount Absalom. With everyone here stuck on the ride. Is that the galaxy collision thing? Is that supposed to happen to us and whatever galaxy is right next to us? Andromeda. Eventually, if the models are correct. But it won't happen for another four billion years or so. Got it. The sun will have incinerated this planet by then. Then I won't cancel my weekend plans. But now, here's what happens to your thought process when you start working with metaphors. Sorry, when I start working with metaphors. You come up with other metaphors. So it's not just me. The pattern recognition tends to leave one vulnerable to allegory. It takes some discipline to repress it. That's tragic. You work your way and I'll work mine. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, I start thinking of Silas and Mount Absalom as galaxies, and then my train of thought really jumps the rails. I remember all of these other little details, these shards of these snippets. Things people said, things I caught in passing, like finding five pieces of a jigsaw puzzle without knowing that they all belong to the same puzzle. That's definitely more of a you experience, Rudy. I step out of the observatory to take a walk, get some fresh air. I keep walking. I'm barely conscious of the direction I'm going, how long I'm out. I find myself here at the bottom of Sinclair Knob, and there's still light out, so... I start walking up the trail to here. Take a look. I see the town. Yes, it's a nice view. That's not specifically what I wanted you to see, though. Sun's almost down. Watch. Do you see it? Yes. The lights. You mean from the houses? They look like... Now look up. Ah, yes. 
Okay, I see. This is that romantic astronomer nonsense the two of you do. The lights in the houses, like the lights in the sky or whatever. Pale blue dots and star stuff. Not that. Well, sure, a little bit that. You really ought to be talking with Marisol. You're being too literal. I told you I was thinking in metaphors. Nora, did you keep an ephemeris? Not of my own. We put Dr. McCall in charge of that. What's an ephemeris? A journal. We use it to capture trajectories of objects in the sky. My, my father also kept one. I remember seeing it on his desk. Is it like some kind of star map? Nothing that elegant. It's basically a series of tables, columns and rows of coordinates, month by month, year by year. Like, have you ever read a baseball scorecard? I'm not sure why you'd even ask me that. See, when you look at a completely filled out scorecard, you can replay the whole game in your head just off the data. With an ephemeris, you look at the notations and you can get a sense of how everything is moving, their positions relative to each other and to the earth. I came up here, I looked up at the stars, I looked down at Mount Absalom, and in my head, it... For the first time, I felt like I was seeing more than one object in motion at once. I have a small confession. I may have accidentally blown up the bottling works. What? That's what you'd call a small confession? Accidentally. How do you accidentally blow up an entire factory? By hurling a crowbar into the well underneath Town Hall. How else do you do it? I don't understand. Neither did I. The same way we didn't understand how you can get hit with a bolt of lightning by looking up through a telescope. More weird Mount Absalom shit. No, enough. We keep shrugging our shoulders and dismissing it all as unexplainable phenomena, and I want to figure this thing out once and for all. A unified theory of Mount Absalom. That's why I came up here. To get a view of the place that I hadn't had before. And which is why I asked you to come up here with me. Because I can't work this one out on my own. And you are two of the smartest people I know. Locally, perhaps. Locally or otherwise. All right. Let's talk this thing out, Dr. Peltham. That's all I ask. You said you threw a crowbar down a well, and that somehow this blew up the bottling works. That might be a coincidence. But it seems unlikely. Especially after what happened to Wes and Lily. Correct. What happened to- Wes threw some rocks into a well below Fenwood House, and suddenly we found ourselves face to face with Lily, age 10. You're aware that- Wes told me about that. Are you sure you're okay? Finding out you're not a ghost? That I'm an echo, or a memory, or something else? It is a semantic argument for now, and it is not all that defines me, Dr. Peltham. Please do concentrate on the matter at hand. We have two instances of an unusual occurrence tied to the disturbance of a well. Come to think of it, that's also right before we started getting reports of wolves. Wes thinks those are also ghosts. Or echoes. Memories. Whatever. So that's three. There's also supposed to be a deeper well beneath the observatory. Chester said it was dry, but he said the same thing about the one under Town Hall. That tracks. There was a baptismal font down there in the chapel. Was it dry? I didn't dig it up, but the font was empty. Perhaps it does not matter. We did not throw anything into that well, but perhaps we disturbed it all the same. After all, we pointed the telescope at Omega Centauri. Twice. With fatal results. As if we completed a circuit. A circuit. Really. 
like maybe there's an electrical current that connects a nebula a jillion light years away to a hill in the middle of Ohio. Hmm. I hear you. Hard to prove. A working theory. The key is the pattern. The key is the water. Yes. On the money, Nora. Were there any other occurrences? I don't recall anything besides... Are you kidding? What? Thanksgiving, Rudy. I'm not... What happened at Thanksgiving? Silas stopped in for dinner. He and Dot went after each other. Verbally, not physically. Right. Silas said all of his cryptic, quasi-biblical blah 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 Dot was telling him he can go walk off a cliff. And what were the radiators doing? They were a little noisy. A little noisy. Rudy, the radiators were out of their fucking minds. I'm saying that maybe the reason Silas got up and left as fast as he did wasn't because Dot was reading him the riot act, but because the radiators were doing the same thing. Because what's going through the radiators? Steam. Water. Oh my god. Yes. That's the thing I've been forgetting about. Phase transitions. States of matter. Wait. Not just matter. Energy. I need a chalkboard. There's no chalkboard up here. Rudy, take a breath. Yes. Right. It doesn't matter if the water is liquid or if it's vapor in the air. Matter and energy. That's everything, right? Whatever isn't matter is energy. Whatever isn't energy is matter. Which transform into each other. Back and forth, over time, everywhere in the universe. Matter as solids or liquids or gases and energy as light and sound. And then we have you, Nora, or Wes, or Silas, or the wolves. Energy and matter as memory and consciousness. This is how we stop him. Stop him. I'm going to ask you a direct question, Rudy. Are you planning to kill Silas? Kill him? (laughs) Me? Even if I had that in me. Silas isn't alive in any way to kill. He's a creature, combining different phases of matter and energy, and Mount Absalom's water plays absolute hell with matter and energy. So if we can get him inside one of the wells... We can transform him. Okay. I'll follow you on this a bit. How exactly are you going to force him into one of the wells? I don't want to force him. I want him to do it himself. This sounds more plausible by the minute. We need to convince him. He needs to accept that him being present in this form is doing harm to Mount Absalom. I don't believe that's what he wants. However he might feel about its people, whatever the town is, whatever it represents. The one who blooms. That's who or what he's interested in saving. That's how I need to speak to him. This is an awfully tall order, Rudy. I'm aware of that. That's part of why I wanted you here, Abby. You understand people. Sorry, have we met? I don't understand people. I understand histories. That's not true, Abby. You tell yourself you understand histories because you don't want to admit you understand people. What are you asking me to do? I'm going to do some more analysis on the powers of the water, with Nora's help if she's willing. In the meantime, I want you to help me understand Silas as a person. I'll tell you everything the Order believes about Silas, and you do that thing you're so good at, scraping off whatever coat of paint they've put on it so we can see what's underneath, like you did at the pageant. You weren't at the pageant. Spike showed me the movie. Of course she did. It was riveting. Nora and I can figure out what he is, Who he is, though, that's the column I can't fill in. If I don't have that right, it's going to get somebody killed. All right, Rudy. 
I don't speak for Nora, but I'll help you. I do speak for Nora. I'm also willing to help you. (sighs) Excellent. Thank you. I'm going to ask you one more direct question, though. Let me have it. Why are you doing any of this? You don't live here. You don't have to be this invested. Honestly, I thought you'd skip town once the wolves showed up. Nobody would have blamed you. You're staying, too. That's different. I have a degree to finish. You know what that's like. True. There have been a lot of times when I've walked away. Sometimes run away. When things started to feel a little overwhelming. I suppose just this once, I wanted to stick in one place long enough to see the story through. Okay. We can head back down now. Wait. I'd like to stay up here a bit longer. It's pleasant. Indeed. Quite peaceful. This is... I've missed working like... I've just missed both of you. Stop talking, Rudy. Right on. This episode features Kathleen Hoyle as Abby, Anuja Vedia as Nora, Joshua K. Harris as Rudy. Written by Bilal Dardai. Sound design by Jeffrey Nils Gardner. Directed by Jeffrey Nils Gardner. Music composed by Stephen Poon. Recording engineer Mel Ruder. Associate producer Ani Engdahl. Unwell lead sound designer Eli Hamada McElveen. Producer, Haiti Souffrant. Executive producers, Eleanor Hyde and Jeffrey Nils Gardner. By Heartlife NFP. And a special thank you to our supporting producers from Patreon. Cam Benfield, Megan McLean, Carolyn Kostkasten, J.D. Horn, Adam Goodman, Nick Keenan, Caitlin White, Calico Davis, and Steve Diamond. Heartlife wishes to acknowledge that the land where we live, work, and tell our stories is occupied land. Unwell takes place in southern Ohio, which is the territory of the Miami people. Unwell is produced in Chicago, Illinois, which is the territory of the Peoria, the Potawatomi, and the Miami peoples. 
The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Please hold. Your call is very important to us, and we will get to it as quickly as we can. The cataclysm is frightening for everyone. Remember, in times like these, we need to stick together more than ever. If you need emergency assistance, please call 999. Your position in the queue is 333. Hello, you've reached the Cataclysm Casualties Hotline. Can I take your name and date of birth? Peretio Green. Morgan Jones. Hugh Liu. Gwen Turner. Just call me Di. Okay, and who are you calling for today? My mum. Shan Thomas. She was in Aberystwyth. Matthew and Louise Turner. In Kirkwall, on Orkney. My father, Kai Liu. Ben. Ben Jones. I, I saw something on the news about a sea serpent. He's 15 years old. Anna and Sophie Green in Portsmouth. What's happening in Kowloon? Listen, is this real? I've been seeing news reports about dragons. So let me look that up for you. Where are you calling from today? Bristol. 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 Leicester. I'm so sorry. It looks like we haven't got anyone listed under that name on the database. This means they haven't been listed as a fatality. Call back tomorrow, and if you haven't heard anything from us or your loved one in three days, try the online form. I know this is scary, but it's okay. We're going to get through this. Together. Camlan, a post-apocalyptic audio drama by Ella Watts, inspired by folklore and Arthurian legends. Coming January 2024. Produced by Tin Can Audio.